Well, here we are. Um, another episode of the Leader Farming Podcast. Today, I have with me Leo Clark. Man, it is such an honor to have you here on the farm. Well, virtually, but uh, uh, Leo, we we met uh, just a. I mean, we've we've bumped into each other quite a bit over the last couple of years, but like officially met just honestly a, a couple of weeks ago at a retreat, and uh, just God connected us in such a way that um, just felt like kindred spirits kindred hearts and uh god's doing something through all that and uh but man i just i've heard some of your story and i wanted to give you a platform to share a little bit more of that here um with our audience um and and because i know it's going to impact so many people so i'm grateful to have you here um and uh yeah so tell us about leo clark give us your a little bit of your your story and then uh and then we'll jump into uh just this 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 seasonal conversation about life and how you know you uh you've learned from winter seasons in your life no man that's not one thank you for having me zach and like you said yes we uh met you know i guess a few weeks ago and uh officially but i had seen you plenty of times uh and, and uh it is to me, it was such a joy to just talk with you and get to know you better and, and all that good stuff and look forward to that continued uh, friendship of growing. Um, and a little bit about me, that's always a loaded question, right? <laughs> the reason why I say that is so easy to get caught up in the like, man, this is who I am, this is what I've done and all this kind of stuff. And I would say to sum it up, and this is really how I said, but one, I'm a, I'm a loving father. Uh, love my wife dearly. Um, my wife, Marianne, she's just such an incredible one of God. But most importantly, I am a, just a man after God's own heart. I mean, um, and that's, if I would say who, like, who am I? And it's like that. And, and I think you used it before, but the old Dallas Willard quote, um, uh, and, and I may butcher a little bit, but it's not, um, not about what uh, a man does that makes him a man. It's about what he's becoming and, and i'm sure i'm butchering that a little bit but and uh, but the dallas willard is such a man of wisdom but it's it's like again it's not what i do for a living but it's like what i'm becoming mm-hmm. and i'm becoming a better husband i'm becoming a better father I'm becoming a better friend um but that's i would say that's how i would open it up and yeah yeah i'm from the inner city uh raised by this incredible mother who um, who loved God and who still loves God, who was walking with God, walking with God for many, many years. She was a tremendous example of, of work ethic and a tremendous example of somebody that would drop to her knees and believe in faith. Um, she refused to uh, go on welfare. She wanted to show us work ethic and she could have easily, most of my, a lot of my neighborhood was, was like that. And she was like, I'm gonna work two jobs. I'm gonna go to school. And um, your brother Henry in charge, brother Henry was kind of in charge where we were in a house. We were in the house when the street lights came on. That was the rule. Uh, and it kept us out of a lot of trouble. And, and, and we were able to uh, venture off into sports, which probably was another thing that kept us out of trouble. We could have easily fell in the traps. A lot of the guys I grew up with, or, uh, unfortunately, a lot of them were either 
in jail or shot killed. And, mm-hmm. and, and so a little bit about what I've come out of where I'm now or like, man, it's a, a story of just God's grace and love and, and just saying, hey, I have a plan for you. You know, and we, he's looking at it in Jeremiah. says, before I know I have the plans for you, the plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Um, and so that's a little bit, a little bit, uh, touch a little bit about me. Uh, that's so good. Well, I think for our listeners, I think, yeah, I know you don't like to talk about yourself. Um, and, you know, from a background of all that you've been through and all that you've done, you know, like so many people lead with that. In fact, you and I are, are part of a, of a community where when we come together for retreats, we call each other chimney sweeps. And um, because, you know, men lead from what they do versus who they are. And so you've, you led with who you are. So we got that. Thank you for that. Um, we know who you are now. Tell me a little bit about just for our listeners, like, you know, Mm -hmm. because they need to understand the journey of like where you were and where you are now. And, uh, and then, you know, maybe, um, you know, of course, you know, you and I've been talking now for a little over an hour prior to hit and record. And uh, Mm -hmm. I learned a lot about you and, and uh, I don't know exactly where you're going to go with your story, but man, it's so powerful. Um, and, and, uh, and maybe we end up breaking this up into another episode later, but I I definitely want you to share, um, from your background and where you, you know, how you were on a path to success. And then you, um, you, you said earlier in our conversation, and I think that's maybe end up being the title of this episode, but like pursuing legacy over success. Mm -hmm. And, and so, um, Let's let's go there. Let's talk about your pursuit of success, and uh, and then how you made that shift to pursuing a legacy. Yeah, you know, and um, man, okay, yeah. For the sake of this, <laughs> this, this it's hard. Here, I know. Yeah, and, and I know it's it, I know it's important, right? And I think it's uh, and and there's that that trying to find that healthy balance is extremely important because staying away from boasting, you know, look at me, look at me, look at me. That's always that, 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 that balance that you're trying to walk on. Right. But so and the same thing, and you've heard me say this is really authenticity. Right. Mm-hmm. And so a little bit about my background. So basketball was really my idol. It was my way of, of believing that I could make it out of the quote unquote hood. Right. And so you, you hear this story a lot among inner city um, young men and women about, I want to get out the hood. I want to make something of myself. And basketball was a journey that I was on and it didn't always come easy. Right. Like, and so, you know, I was, uh, and I'll bounce around a little bit, but I was cut in seventh grade. I was also cut again as a junior in high school. Um, but I had this a tremendous uh, coach from my sophomore year of high school that um, impacted my life. He saw something in me that I didn't really fully understand at the time, but he saw a work ethic in me. And, uh, and so when I got cut my junior year, he was like, no, you need to have, you know, base tip said to the head coach. And I don't know the full how we navigated through that, but they asked me to be the manager of the team. It's like a glorified ball boy. Hey, be a manager. But I got to practice with the team. And uh, probably 10 games into the season, there were some guys that were ineligible. And the coach was like, basically, you earned a spot on the team. And 
And that was, you know, at the same time, I was five foot five at the time. So um, coaches probably didn't see a college basketball player at that time, but nobody knew between my junior and senior high school, I was going to go from, you know, from five, five to about six, one, six, two in one, in one summer. So it was insane. It was kind of a shock to my mom because my every, all of my clothes, none of, none of it fit. So I basically had to get a whole new wardrobe. So basketball was like that journey, that journey. And I remember a, a coach saying to me, Hey man, you will never play college basketball. And so part of how I'm wired is, is if you tell me I can't do something, I will show you I can, and I will work as hard as I can to do it. And, uh, and, you know, I was fortunate enough to, uh, you know, play at a, at a junior college where um, in, in the Bay Area called Chabot Junior College, where a guy by the name of Keith Jennings, he played the NBA for the Golden State Warriors. He saw me play and he took me under his wing. And so from that moment, like God truly began to father me. And in a sense, through sports, um, he was the first guy to really kind of outside of my older brother, Henry, who would, you know, bring me along, my older brother, Henry. And I, that, that could be a whole nother story and podcast. It really could. That, that goes without saying the impact it had on me. But if we're jumping into kind of like my pursuit of success, um, Keith, Keith Jennings taught me how to train with the purpose where I would not go into a gym and just play pickup. You know, I started to go into a gym and master spots with my shot. And so when I fast forward and finish up at an AI school in Bristol, Virginia called Virginia Intermont, you know, I was shooting probably about 49% from the three. And so I started to get write-ups in the papers, you know, it's now I'm getting praise and it just led me to get into the gym more and more and more. And so bouncing to, uh, to like, you know, finishing up college, you know, Keith Jennings at the time, he was no longer with the Warriors. He was over in France. He says, come, you know, come visit me in France. And that's how I got my first opportunity playing overseas. So he impacted my life in a lot of ways in the sense of like getting, helping me get opportunities. And, you know, they would, you know, spend time in France, Belgium, Holland, and Turkey playing professional basketball. Um, but where my training ground was, was actually in 97. I'm uh, dating myself a little bit. I was, um, after college, I was living in Atlanta, Georgia. And my men, my college teammate would train out of a place. And I don't even think it exists anymore, but I call it running to the athletic center. And we would train and get after it, go hard. And, and as we were both pursuing professional basketball at, at, at various levels, whether it's, you know, CBA or, or overseas, I was in a gym working out and a modeling agent um, uh, came up to me and says, hey, have you ever thought about modeling? And I I literally laughed. I was like, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a basketball player, not a model. And, uh, and uh, you know, uh, sometime after I went to, uh, I was in uh, Best Man at my brother's wedding, my brother Henry's wedding. And, uh, and my aunt comes up to me, my aunt Linda says, hey, have you ever thought about modeling? I laugh again. I'm like, you're kidding me. Uh, so I walk into this, uh, I get back to Atlanta. And, uh, you know, once again, I'm just kind of going through a little bit of my background is, um, and I walked to his agency and I said, hey, um, this agent gave me a card. Um, and they were like, okay, uh, do you have a portfolio? And I'm like, what's that? I, mean, I, was, <laughs> I was as green and didn't know anything about that, that industry at all, right? And I was like, well, she just told me I could model. So I'm like, okay, I'm just here because my aunt said the same thing. And, and they're kind of chuckling. They're like, man, who is this guy? And, uh, yeah. 
And, and the question that came out was so funny is, are, are you in good shape? And I'm like, well, you know, I'm an athlete. I work out, all that kind of stuff. There's a go come to the back. I want you to meet the, the, the main, the head booker, right? The one that books the gigs and all that kind of stuff. And I go back there and I, I meet with him. And, and the first thing he says, say, take your shirt off. And I'm like, man, that's kind of forward. And, yeah. you know, I'm in a room with folks and they're just laughing and chuckling. me. And I still don't, once again, I don't know anything about this industry. And I go from there uh, and take my shirt off. And, and they're like, he's in pretty good shape. Call this photographer. I was shooting with a photographer and the next week from New York. Um, two weeks later, I booked in 98, I booked a campaign for Powerade that ran for about three years. So it was interesting. And I'm like, okay, I'm playing basketball, I'm pursuing basketball, but you're going to pay me for 45 minutes of photo shoot this kind of money. And I'm like, yeah, I might look into doing this a little bit yeah, more. Yeah. So I, I was traveling this line of pursuing basketball and, and modeling. And in, in, in modeling, the industry is so crazy, but I'll leave some names nameless. But I had an incident where, you know, a photographer kind of put his hands on me and I was like, listen, man, I, that's not, not, not me, man. Don't put your hands on me again. It's going to be problems. <laughs> so, um, I, I, and for a period of time, I kind of got, um, so to speak, not, I don't know if the word black ball is the right word, but I had a tough time getting a job because of that experience. Because at that time, it wasn't, you couldn't get away with that stuff now. But at that time, that was like, the, that was the thing, right? And so I was like, all right. And so I step away from that. Um, I'm back over, in, you know, in Europe playing ball. And, and uh, some friends of mine were living in the Texas area. And then I ended up moving from Atlanta to Texas. And while I was there, you know, I started, you know, training a lot of kids in basketball and fell in love with impacting a lot of the kids through basketball. And then I, you know, fell into, uh, you know, I would say fell, I almost fell into the right word, but my old agent from Atlanta says, hey, you should think about, you know, doing some commercials. And I was like, oh, man, that'd be fun took some commercial classes and um, funny, funny, funny story is like, I literally, uh, I go meet with an agency. Um, agency is like, what? Um, hey, you, you probably don't have a chance to be a model, but you, you might have a chance in, in the acting industry. And at this time, man, no, I never told anything about my modeling background, none of that. So it was like, perfect. I was like, cool. Nobody's going to ask me to model nobody's going to hit on me and try to touch me. I don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> I can go and do, do commercials, right? And, uh, and I end up shooting with another photographer from New York. And that photographer tells that agent, like, there's only two people in your agency that can make it in modeling in New York, and that's Leo and another girl. And then the agent comes back to me and is like, hey, have you thought about modeling? And I was like, no, not interested. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I go out for a, a commercial audition new to this industry have i don't have a clue zach of what to do with this all i'm just like so i walk into the room literally this is what i said hey how's everybody doing what's going on and i'm like and i'm just going in there just having fun right and little did i know to me that was going to kind of be think something that i was going to carry on in, in in my career of auditioning especially in the commercial scene and and um so i go to this first audition i end up getting a call back the, the funny thing about the story is, is I didn't know what a callback was. I didn't know I was supposed to tell my agent I was booking out. But when I got a callback, I was actually in California visiting, you know, my future wife. Um, and, and so they're like, hey, Liv, you got a callback the next day. And I'm like, yeah, that's a problem. 
I'm in California. And they were like, what? So here it is. I got called back for this, 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 this commercial. And, and I wasn't going to make it. And, um, and the funny story is they booked me anyway. First commercial audition, had no clue, didn't go to the callback, and they booked me anyway. Um, so that's just, just a, once again, it's just it's how God orchestrated the power aid thing to this. And so I'm thinking like, oh, man, everything is going to be, oh, this is, this is easy. This is a piece of cake. And um, I start to, you know, book some local jobs. You know, I did a commercial for a Chevy Trailblazer, did another one for a gun Nissan out here, did some other local spots in the Texas area. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm rolling. This is, this is good. And then uh, my wife and I would get married. And, um, and, uh, and, and, you know, I shared a little bit about that with you as far as we're on our way back or driving back through um, through LA and old photographer that I had shot with in, in New York before and says, Hey, can I want to, I'm working on a portfolio. Can I take some shots of you? Um, and one of those pictures ended up on, you know, on his, on his desk and a manager saw it and they flew me to LA to audition. And so, but I, I've been married, you know, a short time. And this is, you know, you're talking, this is at the time, this is uh, 2003. And I'm like, Dude, I'm not moving to LA. I just got married. I just moved my wife from Northern California to Texas. There's no way I'm moving to LA. And I was like, and I look at that, I tell my wife about it. She was like, well, where are we going? Like, this is adventure. Like, and I'm like, what? And, you know, yeah. uh, uh, I said, well, I'm asking my mentor. There's, he's going to think I'm nuts. And, and, you know, he's like, when are you going? And yeah. three after three months of living in a, in Austin with my wife, I had I'd been there prior uh, for four years. Uh, uh, I mean, I ended up moving to LA. My wife and I ended up moving to LA to start my you know acting career out there. And let's just say it was a challenge because it was the first time I didn't book anything for like six months. And I had I used to chart chart my nose. I got to the point where saying I'm chasing no's to get through them so I can get to that yes. Yeah. And, and I think I, I think I, I found the book when I was unpacking and I was showing my boys. I said, look at how many no's I had before I got to that yes. Mm. And it was uh it was probably one of the best things that happened to me because it was it was definitely humbling, it was challenging. Uh my wife and I were eating top ramen and hot dogs. We were we were gourmet top ramen. Chefs. Um, my <laughs> wife was a little bit better than I did. She would put spinach, eggs. She would just, she would. Oh, do yeah. It. Um, and I said, I knew I had one. A, a, a woman, as we, they would say, uh, um, ride or die, or she's down with me through it all. Uh, and, and so, you know, we had spent 14 years out there in, in, in LA from 03 to 2017. And I was fortunate enough to, over my time, to do about 15 national commercials, uh, television shows like Criminal Minds, Bones, CSI New York, um, General Hospital. Um, so I, I'm, I'm thankful and fortunate, uh, you know, at, at the same time, I just remember God calling me out of that, that industry to spend more time with my kids. They were young, my wife and I. Now you look at, we're up to like 2000, around 2010, we had three energetic boys you know, at the time, five, you know, uh, you know, two and, and, and one. And so it was, it wasn't much sleep. Yeah. <laughs> trying to pursue a career in acting. And, uh, 
and spend time with your kids is not always easy. And it's kind of like I remember God saying to me, "You got to choose your kids mm. or, or this career." And I I chose my chose my family, and I don't regret it at all. And here we are living in, in Austin, Texas. Now we've been here for about five years now. Wow. Well, brother, that says uh, a lot about who you are, even though you told us what you did, you know, and um, yeah, so let, let's uh, talk about this whole, you could go a lot of different directions here, but um, let's, let's dive into a, a season in particular in that either in what you just shared or, or something um, beyond that that uh that you would describe as a as a winter season in your life where you know all hope was lost and you felt like you know this was it and and then looking back you see wow god was in that and um i have grown i have become a a better version and more of the person that god created me to be as a result of having gone through that. And so, um, yeah, just, uh, to share that with us. Yeah. You know, that's, um, that can, it, it, Zach being real with you, that can go a lot of directions, right? We talk about that winter season and I can probably come to that in so many stages of my life from childhood to even up to now. And as I really contemplate answering that, um, one of the things that that I'm, that I'm reminded of is become good soil, BGS, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is, I, Morgan would talk about in there, um, taking the lower seat. Mm-hmm. And so when we moved from LA to Austin, I had no idea what I was going to do from a vocation, chimney sweep work. I had, I had no clue. And, we, you know, we had some, we were fortunate enough to cash out and, we had a little bit of wiggle room and then my wife is a, is a pediatric nurse. So, you know, she, she was getting recruited heavily by several hospitals in the, in the Texas area. So she was like, Hey, I just want you kind of like to figure it out and see God. Right. And, um, uh, so I got to, we, we, we had purchased this house and, uh, I love working with, uh, my hands and building stuff. It's something that, um, I learned from my uncle Bill when I was a childhood, when my dad left. Uncle Bill kind of fathered me into fixing things and working with my hands, whether it's cars, whether it's woodworking. But woodworking was probably, it's definitely, it's a, a hobby that I begin to excel in. Uh, uh, I feel like God has given me this unique gift to see something, be able to kind of recreate it with, um, in, in when it comes to woodworking. And so it, uh, so basically I begin to like, build a bunch of the furniture that we were going to put into our new home. And so I had all this time and my kids would go, you know, I'd take my kids to school and then I would go into the woodworking thing and I would be working in, in woodworking. And so in that process, um, an, an interior designer began to see some of my work and asked me to do some projects. And, I, and I'm just very real with you like this time. Um, that right there let me know real quick is like, this is not sustainable. And I will literally die physically if I'm working at this pace. And, and, uh, and so, um, and that's turning it into a, a job or vacation. I was like, yeah, this ain't going to work at this time. I'm like, I won't have any physical energy to give to my boys. And I was like, 
I'm just trading one thing for another. So I had to back up. And so I, that's when my winter season began. I was like, God, what do you want me to do? I have, I don't have a clue of what to, what to do or what direction I'm going to go and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and I, I, um, I reached out to a friend of mine. I was like, man, can I just have a job at your company? I don't care what it is. And um, I'm going through this season of trying to figure out what I'm going to do in Texas. Uh, and, and so it, it's, it, I, I sit here and think it back to it. I was like, man, I went from having my own trailer on a set to unloading a trailer, boxes in a warehouse, mm. taking the lower seat. There was, oh, yeah. and I would say, and it was, it's, it was challenging sometimes. Have you ever been to in Texas in the summer, just like Atlanta, Georgia, the humidity and the heat is no joke. Mm. Um, it was humbling, um, but it was probably at the same time, what is really what I needed in that moment. Mm. It was, it wasn't, the pay wasn't the, the greatest. Um, and, you know, without throwing any numbers out there where I can be on a set in one day and I would make what I would make in one month on one day on set. And so there was a huge pay gap difference. Uh, and so it was, it was definitely a, a, a winter time where there was not a lot of harvest monetarily, um, but it was a sowing of uh, prepping soil uh, mm. as it began to start to um, plant seeds of what God was, uh, was going to do and what he was doing. Um, so that was, a, I was saying that was a, a winter season for sure. Yeah, that's good. Well, so we're, we're, we're kind of wrapping up on time here. We have so much more to, to talk about, but um, let's, let's take that and, and let's talk about, I mean, maybe it's that, or maybe it's something else, but like, as people are listening in, like you, you've got a lot of wisdom. You're, you're 51 years old. Now, if you're, if people are out there watching the video, they're like, there's no way that guy's 51. Um, but I'm telling you, um, I, I believe every word you say, you know, you're, you're a truth teller. So, um, I believe you when you tell me you're 51, but what would, what do you want to share with those out there listening? I mean, we've got a lot of young people, um, that, that are listening to this, that are, um, you know, Chick-fil-A team members, um, working in restaurants, they don't really know what direction their life is going to take. Um, they're like, man, I'm just grinding it out here. Um, you know, making chicken sandwiches, but like, what can you share from your life's wisdom and experience and, and, uh, and that, that transition from pursuing success to pursuing legacy? Like what, what do you want to share? Yeah, no, I mean, that's a, I, I tell you, and how can I word this, right? Um, and I'll, I'll lead into legacy, right? But it's part of that is kind of going back to my grandmother and my mom, the legacy that they left and the legacy of loving without a hook. And mm -hmm. so my grandmother had this unique ability to love people without looking for something in return. And a lot of times we go through life, we're like, okay, how can I get, to, and I saw it a lot in Hollywood where what can you do for me? It's not what can we do for each other, 
And so there was a lot of that pursuit of like, I'm going to do this because you're going to give me something back. And, but then learning to love those um, and not looking for something in return. And that kind of happened, or that for me happened organically leading into to now where I think more legacy, where what, like when it's all said and done, what would people say about me? So a kid by the name of, of Chris Conlon, when I was living in Austin in early, early 2000s, he used to ask me about, about working with him in basketball and helping that kid succeeding basketball was much bigger than basketball. It was really about building a relationship and where he got to observe me walk as not only a man, but most importantly, a man of God. And I look at him now, you fast forward, he's in his, his, his mid thirties and he's happily married and he's a tremendous father. And he, you know, he shares with me countless times, like, dude, I, I, and I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, but how I impacted his life. And so I, those countless stories of, of pouring into the next generation is something that was changed my whole way of, 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 of thinking when it comes when I look at when I look at life, where it says like, man, OK, I can go out and get a job and I believe I could be successful um, in, in any, any career field. And I don't say that arrogantly. I say that because I'm willing to put in the work and I'm willing to listen and willing to learn and, and gain the knowledge to be successful in whatever that career field is. In my, in my current chimney suite, um, you know, I'm doing pretty, pretty well in the sense of from the sales standpoint and all that. But at the same time, uh, it doesn't make me come alive. Like when I'm coaching kids in basketball, coaching someone in life, uh, there's a young man that in, in each year, what I do is try to take one um, young man and mentor them um, every year. So I try to get a, each, each year, I'm trying to work with a new young man every year. And this young man I'm currently working with, he's a sophomore in college now. And he had just reached out to me uh, the other day. And, um, and I don't know if I can, if I have enough time, but I, we may have to pick it up another time, but I'll, I'll send out the uh, kind of share. I, hope, I think he'll be okay with me sharing the text, but he was like, you know, um, big wins. And he, and, he, and he shared something, and I'm kind of quoting this, where he says, the, the time you spent with me, uh, I will never forget. Just the way you impacted my life. Um, he said, there's just not no words. He said, um, he says, I just want to thank you. And that, that right there, mm -hmm. then there's, like, there's no monetary. Like, he used to try to pay me. to. I was like, no, you don't give me a dime. I don't need a dime. I said, I'm, I'm giving back just like people like Keith poured into me. I'm, this is my way of giving back. And that right there, when I think about my boys, it's like, how can I leave a legacy in that aspect? So when it's all said and done, people are not saying, hey, that's a guy who was super successful, made a lot of money, was all about himself, was all about me, me, me. Or no, there was a guy who loved others well, who... His, his desire was to make their life better, not, most importantly with their walk with God, but also seeing them succeed in life. And, and, and a lot of times we look at success as monetary, but man, okay, do you have a healthy marriage? Do you have a healthy relationship with your kids? Yeah. Uh, do you have a healthy relationship with your friends? I said, that's so impactful you can do that in the work in the workforce you can i mean you can be at a job and you'd be like man what, how are you doing like something as yeah. simple as smiling how are you doing how's your day doing what can i do to help you what can i do to serve you and i tell this to my current current clients now i'm here to serve you 
Mm-hmm. And that's and that's foreign in, in what I do because a lot, you know, you're paid, you know, well for, you know, for doing, you know, what I do now as a loan officer. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, no, and ultimately if I serve you well, you leave there with a smile, the story you're going to tell is going to be authentic and true. Mm-hmm. And, and I use this, this, this saying that I kind of, as I'm speaking in different places, is authentic unity. Mm-hmm. We live in a world that lacks unity. We live in a country that lacks unity. It's so divided from, from color, from, from political views. You, you think about it, right? But there's nothing better than authentic unity when I get to be myself around you and you get to be yourself around me and you're, we're not looking to be offended. It's, it, I can come to you, hey, you could be from, uh, you know, country boy from, you know, from Georgia and I could be an inner city kid from California, two different ends of the spectrum, yep. but we can be our true selves and we don't have to pose and try to be something that we're not. And that type of authenticity brings true unity and it can bring people together like you and I. And that to me is what impacts and can truly change the world. Wow. That's so good. So good. Well, man, uh, I just want to say thanks. I want to say thanks for your, your time, your wisdom, um, your love. Um, I can feel it. And, um, and not just for, for me, um, but for, for those out there listening and, and just your desire to, to impact their lives with your words and your story. And so on behalf of, of everybody out there, uh, I want to say thank you. And thank you for your, your time and uh, look forward to, to having you back on here at some point to, to share some more. And uh, I'm really looking forward to um, just getting to know you better. And I think we'll be um, connecting a lot over the next uh, decade. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And, and you're welcome. You, you are. You're welcome. And uh, thank you for having me. Absolutely.